this weekend a scary event a scary holiday some of the spookiest times of the year oh good okay yeah took place yeah every year around this time many many people get very excited they're thinking big anticipation people around them are dressed up they look like what they are not Sure. But then the costumes must come off. And just in this Saturday, South Carolina no! Gamecocks <laughs> no! were dressed up like a very good football team. They were rated in the top 25 by the AP and the scariest of things, but inevitably happened. The costume came off. They were embarrassed in front of everybody. Didn't even get to have any candy. It was all trick, no treat. Dude. How do you feel about this scary event that took place this weekend? Hey, fantastic, fantastic introduction there because I thought you were really just trying to scare me. And then you really did bring it up. Um, how do I feel? Broken. Devastated. But I said this was coming, but it still hurt just as much. I knew it, man. I, I, yeah. we were gonna... I texted you on Saturday, and I said, was this the inevitable yeah. disappointment you were talking about? And it was. That's and, tough, man. Hey, the one, the one kind of saving grace was it was my brother's birthday weekend. And so I didn't really watch the game. Like, I had it on my phone. And every time I looked at the score and it was worse, I was just like, yeah, it figures. <laughs> so that, I kind of knew it was coming. That brings up an interesting topic of discussion. Is it better to watch your team lose or to just have to be hearing about it? Yeah, uh, definitely just hearing about it. You like that better? Well, I mean, you know, I'd rather watch the game. But if they're going to lose, I'd rather not have suffered through it. Mm. You know, because gonna, it's going to hurt one way or another. Yeah. Why, why watch the, the thing take place? It's tough. Justin, you wouldn't know anything about this, but year after year, I, as a Clemson fan, we just don't lose that many games. Yeah. We're not quite sure what it means. But then last year, no. lost three games, all at the beginning of the season, of course. We ran the table towards the end. We still hold the nation's longest winning streak. Um, but yeah. uh, uh, Like, all around? I th- It was FBS for sure. Oh, wow. There was an FCS team that had a longer streak, but they might have lost now. I did now. not realize that. But, uh, yeah, it's like 14 now, 15. Wow. Um, okay. Justin. <laughs> Sorry. But last year we had to lose three heartbreakers. Really, each one of them was close, tight, heartbreaker. And uh, we, we had a losing record. At, well, we definitely had an even record at one point. I can't remember if we had a losing record. But probably felt what you guys have felt like for the last, you know, decade. Oh, yeah. For and sure. it was one year for us. For sure. Your your 9-3 and three season felt like what we Ten and three after the ball. Ten, yeah, 10-3 after the ball. It's 11 straight years of 10 wins. a whole lot like three remember and when nine, you guys won? Sure. Yeah. Remember when you guys won 11 games three years in a row? Yes, I do. That's I crazy. I think about it. I, I dream about it, Alan. I go to bed at night thinking about it. I wake up thinking about it, and I know it's never coming back. Before we get into uh, talking about tortilla chips, yeah. Justin, Clemson has won 10 games in a row for 11 straight seasons. I think I got that right. Two thousand. It started in 2010. So, yeah, 11 oh, straight seasons. Um, last year, had to win the ball game. Uh, 2014, likewise, had to win the ball game to get to that 10 number. But almost every other year, it's been 10 in the regular season. How many straight years or, or how many out of 10 years, if Clemson were in the SEC, uh, I guess East because we're on the east side of the you sure. know country, um, would they have won 10 games in a row? Uh, 
same players. I mean, obviously, some of those yeah. teams have gone on to beat Alabamas and other teams. And every now and then, we play the SEC team in the right, well, a non South Carolina SEC team in the regular season. But if we had to play all SEC schedule, would we have had a nine win season? Would we have an eight win season? Or would it have still been all tens? Yeah, I think you're looking at five or six, ten win seasons. Oh, my gosh, Justin. I do. I, I really Calm do. down, buddy. I honestly do. I mean, and granted, that depends on who you're matched up with in the West. Like, if you get five out of, you think five out of the last 11 years, we would have only won 10? Games? Yeah, I think so. Just five or six. Yeah. Just somewhere somewhere at that fifty percent mark. That's nuts, dude. Yeah. No, I well, think it I think it would have been closer to like eight. Sorry, I was just sitting here trying to think of the letter I want to write begging for the SEC to invite Clemson so we could actually see if this would would happen or not. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah, it would be fun for us because you guys would lose more. You know what else is fun, Justin? <laughs> What's that? Going to a Tex Mex <laughs> make your own burrito joint, getting a burrito, filling it with all of your favorite things. Rice, Fair. steak. What are you, steak or chicken? Uh, chicken. White meat or dark meat chicken? Uh, white meat. Yeah, I think you're right yeah. there. I prefer steak because I'm a man. Oh, that's, uh, fair. that's fair. Rice, black beans or refried beans? Or, sorry, pinto beans. Uh, black beans. Yes, okay. Uh, what other things do you like to get in your burrito? Uh, man, jalapenos, some sour cream, shredded cheese. Um, okay, and then after your burrito is nice and stuffed, yeah, you, they they say you know chips and salsa. Maybe you buy down a queso. And you say yes. Yeah, absolutely. And you say please more chips, extra. And they throw all those chips in a bag or something, and then you go to your table or you take it home, and those chips they're just so delicious. And Fantastic. then you and you can even taste the sweaty hands that might have touched it from the <laughs> from the human chipotle worker. Yeah. But now yeah. that might not be the case, Justin. No more. That extra salty flavor from the sweaty. Uh, my Chipotle worker may no longer add that extra flavor because Chipotle, headline of the week, although maybe this also happened in March, I'm not sure. <laughs> the Chipotle has is, is testing out a, a robot chip maker named Chippy. Did you see this, Justin? I did. You know, it just occurred to me that that name works on so many levels. Chippy, the Chipotle mm, mm. chip maker. Man, it just, and, it, and it has it in it... Chips, chips, right? Electronic yeah. chips, computer wow. chips. And that is that is just brilliant. Justin, I'm sorry. What was your original question? We're a couple of smart guys, Justin. I gotta take this phone call real quick. Hello. Hey, I'm recording a podcast. Okay, I'll call you back. Sure. Justin, keep the podcast going. Yeah, that's fine. Sorry. So Alan's on a phone call. <laughs> sorry, it was the president. Uh, Chipotle, the chip maker. Justin Chippy, the Chipotle chip maker. Ooh, forgive me. Justin, what is the answer? Or what do you think of when you think of mechanizing the workforce? Um, honestly, I'm pretty strongly against mm. that. Um, I feel like we're opening up a can of worms that we don't need to open up. It's, I don't think this it's is the plot of the movie. I robot. That's exactly what I was. Will just Will Smith's dad was a toothpaste cap putter on her. Is that right? I, d- I couldn't tell you. He that put the caps on the toothpaste, but then they found <clears throat> robots to do it. From there on, you're out of a job, Will Smith Senior. <laughs> Did you ever see old school? I mean, it's like three or four years old. Not that old school. Wow. Um. Tucker Carlson, Ben Shapiro, Ben Shapiro Sunday Special. They debate mechanizing truck driving workforce. Have you ever seen that? No, I haven't. That's a, that's a, I think that's actually a legendary clip for whatever took, you think. Who took what side? So Ben Shapiro is pro-mechanizing the workforce. Really? And Tucker Carlson, strongly against it, advocates for the, actually the government to come in and actually for, forbid some of this by law, me- 
mechanizing the workforce, in particular with truck driving. And this is when I learned truck drivers are actually the that's actually the number one occupation in the United States. Did is, you know that? Well, I Makes mean, when, sense. when you think about it, mm-hmm. when you really step, I would have never thought that. But when you're on the road, there are tons yeah. of trucks. So Tucker Carlson was making the case that you are going to put out of workforce the most amount of people in one particular occupation. Occupation, if you allow for self-driving trucks, stuff like that, because we have that, we have some of that technology out there. Okay, should that be our, you know, motivating factor? Should we be concerned with how many people we're putting out of the workforce? If it means, yeah. If your answer is we're putting you out of the workforce and. That's uh, that's tough. You need to go get a degree and figure out how to be you know someone who works on those self-driving trucks instead of somebody who drives the trucks. I think it is our duty to take care of our fellow worker in that way. You know what I mean? Uh, Justin just received transmissions over his computer. Um, do you need to answer a phone no, call as well? No, we're good. No, no phone calls here. Give us some feedback. Was my phone call the other end of it, dear listener, entertaining to you? No. Should have been. What was I saying? Oh, uh, I'm not sure if this is what I was saying, but I think, yes, this is what I was saying. I think it is uh, our duty to a degree to not just put a bunch of people out of the workforce and say, sorry, go get a degree. Now, when you talk about the Chipotle chip worker that doesn't employ the most amount of people sure. you know, in the United States, there might be an argument to where you can put a couple of people. But at Chipotle, I have a feeling you're not going to be putting people out of work as much as you're going to be able to put them into other scenarios. Right. And a place like Chipotle is probably struggling to hire people right now, uh, as a lot of part-time little jobs are, because they don't pay as well. So if you can actually not have to worry about being understaffed, I think Chippy actually can answer some questions. But I do think this opens, as you said, I think, well, a can of worms that gets dangerous for mechanizing the workforce. Have we not seen the movie iRobot? Have we not seen the movie WALL-E? Mm. Man, just people floating around in these chairs. I never watched WALL-E. I never watched WALL-E. Tell me about it. Well, exactly what I just said. It's a bunch of blobby human humanoids, I think, because, I mean, they're really not even people at that point. But they just sit in their chairs because the robots do everything for them. Um, <clears throat> but, no, on a, on a more serious note, <clears throat> if we could go back, I wonder how many jobs have been replaced by technology and what the answer to that has been through the course of human history, right? right. Um, so, I mean, like, you look at, uh, gosh, I don't know. I'm blanking on things right now. But I'm, I'm confident that uh-huh. technology has, has done this right. over at least the last two centuries, right? We've replaced people. We've, we've found that we don't actually need them, that machines can do jobs. But not to the extent of, as you're calling it, a mechanized workforce. workforce. Right. That's a little different. Right. So. I think um, if tomorrow we cold turkey kicked all the truck drivers out of their trucks and said we've got self-driving trucks, that's a mechanized workforce. Right. I think something like Chipotle, the robot chippy maker, is more akin to how nobody, no company, no business these days has someone who answers the phone. It's all sure. uh, it's all uh, an automated system that gets you to yeah. somebody, but you don't have to go through a receptionist. Right. Now, one day in 2015, we didn't fire all the receptionists and right. put in an audit. You know, slowly people got these automated voice machines and it started, and the receptionists then slowly morphed into other jobs and other roles right. where they were more needed. That's probably more akin to what something like the robot chip maker or other things are closer to. I think as we slowly integrate them, those people slowly get other jobs or get trained to do other things. 
Cold turkey is never a good thing, I don't think. I think even with truck driving, though it employs the most amount of people in the world, if we slowly did it and we actually slowly trained these people to then work on the self-driving trucks instead of driving the self-driving truck, whatever it is that we get them into another job, you know. But uh, that that would be the reality, though, right? I mean, it, <clears throat> it's not realistic to think that you know, the, the mechanized workforce takes over overnight. I mean, right. it, it would have to be tested and then scaled from there. So, I mean... I do think there's an argument that it would be good for humanity. I mean, even on that note, I'm pretty sure do truck driver is maybe the number one job. Isn't there also a truck driver shortage? Have I have I seen that? Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, there so, seems to be a shortage on everything. So yeah, so and, and like you were saying that even Chipotle places like mm-hmm. that, everybody's hiring. So maybe to some extent, maybe there's a line that you draw, and say that you know only a certain amount. Of, there's got to be a, a, right. a path towards. I think there is a conservative know. argument. For regulation, you know what I mean. Government regulation on capitalism, or the Which, way, or the way companies operate. That might be the first time that anybody's ever said there's a conservative argument for regulation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I don't think you have to be this this crazy uh, f- this crazy free market anarchist capitalist to call yourself a conservative. I think it's a conservative position to say actually we think that. Keeping people with jobs instead of just kicking them out and saying tough luck is conservative. You know what I mean? That's actually conservative. I mean, that's love of neighbor. That's conservative, pro-family, pro-people, pro-human. You know what I mean? To say, actually, we're not just going to kick you out and give you the boot. You know, which is why I say the conservative answer to mechanizing the workforce is do it slowly. The right way. Right. Find a good way to do it. Honestly, man, I think the argument that you just laid out would surprise a lot of people I know who would tack maybe the liberal label onto the end of their name. Mm. Uh, that they would say that we would that somebody like you or me would be all for, you know, capitalism in its you know, purest form and mm-hmm. just go for it. Uh, and the the bottom line is all you're really worried about and how much money can you make. But I think the argument you laid out makes a lot of sense that conservatives right. you know, don't necessarily say it's bad. But that it has the potential to be bad. People think so we need to be careful with right. it. Right. People think that Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec is a conservative. He is not a conservative. He's a libertarian. Right. right. So he holds some conservative positions. Right. He doesn't think the government should be your daddy. He doesn't think the government gets to make all your decisions or regulate your entire life. But he's also an anarchist in that he doesn't think there should be any government function. You know what I mean? Um, that's not conservative. People think that that's conservative. That's not conservative. Conservative is saying the government exists to support and help the people, not to overstep and run the people, but to support and help the people so that they might live and flourish in the way that doesn't overstep their own rights, their own God-given rights. So government does exist to do things like parks to a degree or these different things, and it exists to do regulation. That's why it's actually, it is conservative to have a government say, you're not going to have a monopoly and all these kind of regulative things that we do in our economy right now. That is conservative. But you're right. Most people would sit there and say, you're a Republican or you're a conservative. You must be one of these crazy, money-hungry, monopoly, uh, monocle twirling. Here comes the train. Sorry. Look at that. Yep. Regulate that train, why don't we? Let's, just, <laughs> let's crank down the noise, yeah, Mr. Train. Right. That's a conservative position. You know, uh, never thought I would say this, Alan, but that was a very well thought out, very well articulated argument. Well done, sir. Wow, Justin. Sorry, thank you so sorry. much. <laughs> no, that's good. Justin, on a much lighter note. Sure. Do you know who Josh Pate is? You know who Josh yeah, Pate is. Yeah, Josh Pate. I don't know why sure. I asked you yeah. that. Josh Pate does not like the college football playoff. Uh, okay. Josh well, Pate. What's his argument? Josh Pate does not want 
college football to turn into a tournament sport. Have you heard him use that phrase? I have not. Okay. Well, then I'll, I'll ask you this question. Okay. Do you think, because these are thoughts that I've been having as of late, listening to some Josh Pate, is, is the college football playoff good or bad for the sport of college football? As it exists right now, the college football playoff is bad for the sport. Um, what we've seen is that there, <clears throat> there are a handful of teams, uh, maybe six or seven teams, that have a legitimate chance at winning a national championship. Maybe not even that many. And the playoff is going to be full of those teams year after year. Uh, we might rotate two out and bring two in, but it's going to be the same handful of teams uh, over and over. And I think that is really discouraging for those on the outside looking in who don't have access to the playoff. So in that sense, I think the playoff is bad for the sport. Mm. Yeah. I think I think you're onto something. I think the 14 playoff is better. I think it's better than the – I'm actually pro-committee. Um, so I know some people that are anti-committee. They, I know some people that wish we would go back to the BCS system. Uh, no. Computer numbers. No, uh, I'm pro-committee. I think there's something to eye test yeah. um, that you don't get when it's just numbers, right? Sure. When it's just numbers, you get these teams that score a lot of points and get a lot of yards per play, number one team, and they don't have any backbone. Right. They don't have any defense. They don't have any strength. You know, they play an SEC team and they get walloped. But um, – sorry, sorry to interrupt, but is there a danger to the whole eye test thing yeah, yeah, yeah. where – the, the committee says, well, you know, more people are going to pay attention to this Alabama-Clemson matchup than Alabama well, the other, and TCU. Yeah, the other downside to the eye test is when your eye test is only hindsight right. or only looking backwards, right. right? Well, we know Alabama is usually good in the playoff. Right. Well, the, well, the numbers bear out or the record bears out. They're not going to be good this year, so put in somebody else. You know, that's not the case for this year necessarily. But there is a case when I test, and some people are making that argument right now because Clemson ranked at number four in the initial college football playoff rankings, and some people are saying this is all because they won some national championships, you know, four years ago. And I don't think that's entirely the case, though that might have some influence. You know, Clemson has won a national championship more recently than Michigan. Maybe that plays into the mind of the of the playoff committee when they rate sure. Clemson one ahead of Michigan. I also think it's that Ohio State and Michigan are going to play at the end of the season. You know, they just wait until it'll, those two teams play. It'll sort, it, it'll it'll sort, sort itself out. I think it'll sort itself out, works itself out, <laughs> well, a lot of these early college football playoff rankings. Let me let me ask you this, though. So you, I'm going to push back a little bit. You said you think that the four-team playoff has been good mm-hmm. and your pro committee and stuff. I think that the reason that it hasn't – let me explain my side – uh, college football, the postseason used to be the most fun thing in the world. Like bowl season was incredible. My family had this whole like bowl pick'em that we used to do, and like it was a challenge for the whole family. Um, we would get really into it, and the bowls felt a lot more uh, meaningful. worth something yeah. meaningful. Yeah, uh, but now everything revolves around that playoff. The playoff is oftentimes not even on. Uh, a, a majorly important holiday, like it used to be on New Year's Day, right? New Year's Day was was big bowl day. All right. Now maybe they're New Year's Eve. Maybe they're not even New Year's Eve, right? Um, yeah, it varies. It, it depends on when the is it. Are they always on a Saturday now? Uh, no. Yeah. So for the first few years, it was always on New Year's. Right. Uh, it was always on New Year's Eve and day, and then they varied it up in the recent years because I think some people don't like it that it's on New Year's yeah. Eve and New but, Year's Day. But see, like New Year's Eve and New Year's Day were the big. The, right. the bowl game. Orange Bowl, days. Rose Bowl. Yeah. And so they, they changed it up. Mm-hmm. I don't think so much because people didn't like it, but because those are the only games that matter now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, Maybe and so. we have to do as much as we can to get the eyes on those games. A lot, of people, like. a lot of people say that the college football playoff has made bowl season lame yeah. now. 
I have to realize I'm talking from a Clemson, Clemson perspective, and there's only been one year in the last, like, eight years that Clemson hasn't been in the playoff, and it was last year. Yeah. And I still watch the bowl game, you know what, what is, I mean? What does that even feel like? But every year I'm waiting around for, for playoff. That's my bowl game that I'm going to be glued to the screen for, and I watch the other ones as I, as I see them, you know what I mean? So I have to realize where I'm coming from. Um, but I find bowl season to be just as interesting, but I could be wrong because I'm talking from that perspective. I think, though, if the playoff has done anything to bowl season – it's not – I think personally it's not because of the playoff but because of the marketing. Like I saw like I saw on Twitter somebody called on Tuesday the college football playoff ranking show that they do every Tuesday starting like in November, you know, when they're going to come out with the ratings. Like the college football playoff really is reality TV. That's what I saw somebody call it. And I think that that like – all from November on, it's always who's in, who's in. Those are the commercials. And then it's always get the playoff, get become number four, first two out, first four in, you know what I mean? Uh, and that kind of conversation has made it seem – it doesn't have to be that the bowls feel insignificant and the playoff is all it is, but I think the marketing, the reality yeah, the TV nature of it really has done that. And so I think you could fix it, still keeping a 14 playoff, um, just fixing the marketing. But I'm inclined to think – do you want to say something before I say something? Yeah, yeah, real quick. No, you're good. Because you mentioned from a Clemson perspective. So from a mm-hmm. South Carolina fan perspective, you know, um, when I first – like the first game that I remember going to as a South Carolina fan, um, we beat Ball State some massive number to not- or to three maybe. And then the next 21 games we never won. Wow. Um, these are my first years as a, as a Carolina fan. What year was remember. that? So uh, 98, 99. Goodness gracious. Um, and, I mean, you, what, what year were you born? 97. Sheesh. Uh, so anyway, uh, but then in the year 2000, we made a bowl game, and we went to the Outback Bowl. Oh, yeah. And we go. beat Ohio State. Really? And then the next year, we went to the Outback Bowl, and, and we beat Ohio State again. Really? In the Outback Bowl. So, like, my, my like, formative years following South Carolina, the most exciting thing is that we made Getting the to Outback that bowl. bowl. Right. And we beat Ohio State. And now, if we make the Outback Bowl, everybody's like, yeah, okay, so what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so that, I think you're right, though, it's the marketing. We're told that the only thing that matters is those final. And some of it's program. I mean, I think some of it was tongue-in-cheek, but last year Clemson played in the Cheez-It Bowl, the Russell Athletic. No. Was it the Russell Athletic? I guess that's a brand. It was whatever Cheez-It Bowl down in Orlando. Yeah. And the Clemson program, I guess it's because we knew we weren't going to the playoff early in the season. Because, like I said, at one point we were three and four or three and three. Right. You know what I mean? Like we knew we weren't going to the playoff. Um, but the Clemson program and the Clemson fandom like rallied around going to the Cheez It Bowl. Like the Clemson players, and I think some of it was tongue in cheek. But the Clemson players were tweeting out that commercial, the Cheez It commercial, where he's I'm feeling the cheesiest, coach. <laughs> you know, they kept tweeting that out when we got to the Cheez It Bowl yeah. when it was announced on that selection Sunday, and uh, a lot of Clemson fans. You know, went there and enjoyed it. Uh, I'd be interested to talk to an Alabama fan because you know, in like 2019, they made they, they played Michigan in just a run of the mill ball game, or you know, some kind of not a not a playoff game. You know right. what I mean? Right. So, did the, did their program kind of rally around going to this non playoff game? You know, some of it might have to do with programs. I think a 12 team playoff. I've been hesitant to it. I think a 12 team playoff is going to be good for the sport if they do a couple of important things. Do you think an expanded playoff is going to be good? Yeah, I think it is. I think it gives teams hope that they're able to make it. Right. Um, I mean, gosh, if you had a 12-team playoff in those years that South Carolina had the 11-win seasons, like South Carolina's in the playoff. And then it's a whole different conversation around what the program has achieved. Right, right. And if if programs can sell to recruits, hey, we were in the playoff two years ago. You could help us get into the national championship. Uh, Whereas right now, like, what's Iowa State telling to a recruit? Like, nothing. Like, come be decent at right. Iowa State. 
Like, but with a 12-team playoff, Iowa State can make it right. for sure. So I, I think that will definitely improve it. I do understand from the, the tournament perspective. So, like, I personally, I love the NCAA basketball tournament. Right. Right? But all you have to do to make the NCAA basketball tournament is win your conference tournament. Right? Like, to have a guaranteed spot. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to do that much to get in the tournament. Right. Sixty-four right. teams, right? But I'm saying, I'm saying, you could have zero wins regularly. Oh season, yeah, yeah, and then get hot and win your conference right, tournament, right. and and you're taking. You're gonna be like a four. Spot. You're gonna be a top four seed yeah, if right. you win your conference. Yeah, <laughs> right. for sure. So, so anyway, automatic um, bids are dangerous. Yeah, I, I can understand somebody saying that you know you don't want um, you know South Carolina to find a way in at seven and five because there's a twenty-four team playoff now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, okay, that's fair. But I think twelve teams. I think that's a really good, really good spot to give teams hope, but also still have an elite tier yeah. that we know is going to make it. I like what they're going to do. Where they're going to have, um, I think the top four will get a bye, the bottom yeah. eight will play, and they'll be on college campuses. Yeah. I think that's really cool. I think that's going to be a ton of fun. Yeah, I, I think. Really that, do. And then I think that. I think the final eight, like the top four that have the bye, will play the four winners. I think those will also be on college. Or no, those might be bowl games. <clears throat> I hadn't looked, I hadn't looked I don't that even far. Know. That's a lot of bowl games. Into that one. I, I, th- I do think still you run the risk of it feeling like I didn't make it to the playoff. But you're right. You have a better chance of it making it to the yeah. playoff. I mean, you think about this year. UNC, they've only lost one game right now. But they're not that great. They have no defense. But they wind up beat Clemson in the ACC championship. Automatic bid gets them in the playoff. They get to slap that on their recruiting. You know what I mean? Right. It does help more teams have more hope. Right. I think college football playoff has been better than the BCS system for the sport, and I think, but I think it still needs to be improved. I'm not this. Sure. I don't want to say it's perfect. No, we hadn't really had this scenario recently, but like with the BCS, you had Boise State go undefeated and TCU go undefeated, and, and not, they, and they yeah. never had a chance to play for it. And are they going to win it? No. Right. But they should have a chance to play for it at that point. Justin. You have a literal headache today. I do. How's I that do. going for you? It's a literal headache. I don't have anything to rant about except for the pain in my head. Man, I've been on the road all day. Is it because your head feels lighter, perhaps, because you oh, lost man. all this hair on your face? I did. I did lose all the hair on my face. What happened? Did you fall uh, into a vat of acid? Uh, that that would be a better story. No, I shaved it for Halloween and didn't even have a good costume. So. What were you for Halloween? Hannibal Lecter? Uh, <laughs> no, I... Uh, I went with the story that I was alternate universe, Justin, um, who had never lost his hair because I also had a little wig. But um, I was given the story at the Halloween party that we went to that I could be Wooly Willy, that um, little guy that you could move his hair around. It was magnetic and stuff. And so they said I moved my hair from my face to my head. Um, so that was that was a lot of fun. When did you start losing your hair? But, Oh man, that's so. A this tough is story. A, this is probably a headache. Uh, talk yeah, I woke up. I think I was nineteen or twenty, and I, I remember waking up one day and there was like just some hair on my pillow, and I was like, "No way." For real? Yeah. Are you being serious? Right now? <clears throat> I'm being dead serious, dude. Nineteen or twenty, and like, I was devastated. I don't even mean like, the age. I mean like you yeah. just you, the hair was on I your saw pillow. It. I saw it. And it I was, was just like, falling out of your head. And I guess it had been there for. I mean, you know, I don't know how quickly the hair started falling out, but yeah. And then uh, that summer we went. <clears throat> we spent like a week at the lake on the boat and stuff, and. Uh, my head got burned for the first time ever. I always had a super thick head of hair, but the, the top of my How head. How old were you burned. at this time? Like I said, 20, 21 maybe. Wow. Not even 21. I was, I was definitely 20. Um, yeah, so that was, that was a bummer. Hey, we didn't have this. Come on, Within man. Within headaches, I've got a different question. I just want to get your, your – Sinus headaches. Like just your reaction on oh, this. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. We don't have to go too long on it. Do I have hey, to answer with one hey. word or multiple words? Uh, you, however you see fit. Okay, fair enough. Is Job a real person? 
Job? Job from the Bible. Oh, from the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, I think he was a real dude. You do? Yeah, for sure. Jonah? Oh, yeah, Jonah was a real yeah. guy. Okay. Jesus said Jonas was a real guy. Jonah did, was a real guy. Did he? Jesus said Jonah went into the belly of the uh, fish for three days, and that's why the Son of Man will come out of the he, earth in three he, days. He said, I'll give you the sign of Jonah. Right? He said, just as Jonah went into the belly of the fish and came out three days later, the Son of Man will go into the earth and come out for three days. So, Jonah was a real dude. Right. Jesus said he was. So if you'll, if you'll back this, if you'll, he didn't say he was a real dude. He said what happened to him. So, so listen, yeah. listen, 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 hold on, hold, bear with me, bear with me. So you give me a headache. Yeah, if you, I thought I would. I thought you were going to say that. Good deal. Okay, so if you back this podcast up, I don't know exactly when it happened, but if, if you, the listener, will back this up, Alan referenced a fictional character earlier. As if he was real. I can't remember who it was. I robot? But Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're we're talking about <laughs> right, robot, right. maybe. And and he referenced a fictional character as as though it was real. So so in in theory, is there room for the for the notion that Jesus referenced Jonah because he's a right, part right. of the scriptures? And is it possible that Jonah's Jonah's not a real figure? I think it's more akin to, so what I was saying was, you know, have we not seen iRobot? This is what happens when you mechanize the workforce. Like I was making a, pr- a prophecy about the future based on fiction. I think it'd be different if I, if you were to ask me, like, Alan, what is, again, you're talking about the future. I guess he, I guess Jesus was talking about the future and he referenced a fictional person. You're making a good point here. But uh, I didn't say it happened. I didn't say that thing happened. I said that thing that thing could be what happens in our world. That thing that happened in a fictional world right, right, right. could be what happens. Could be what happens. But Jesus, I, you're making a decent argument, but Jesus said that since it did happen to Jonah, it will happen to him. I think no, since... No, no, no. He didn't say since it happened to Jonah. He said what you know happened to Jonah right, right. is what will happen to me. Huh. I, I think you're making a fine argument. I choose to think. Uh, I, have, I have reason to think that since Jesus said it did happen to Jonah... Sure. Right, sure. just as Jonah went to the beast, yeah. he didn't say just as you. He did not, you know. There's other places in the Gospel of Matthew and the other Gospels where he says, you know, you've heard this, right? right. You clearly you've been taught this from Scripture, right? That's the that's the Sermon on the Mount. You've heard this. He doesn't say that, right? When he references Jonah, right. he says since Jonah went yeah. into the belly of the beast. Right. He doesn't say since you've heard it. So I think that would maybe be my counter to that. Yeah. Hey, my, just just to clear it up, this I, is fun. I stand with you on that one. I think I think Jonah is a. Is, is this a like a class? Is this a debate you had in class uh, or something? No, it was just a, it was a random conversation that came up in Sunday school through our Bible reading plan. Somebody asked about Job. <clears throat> Some of the other kids were surprised that that's even a debate. And I said, hey, you want to know what else is a debate? Jonah. Jonah's right. a debate. Um, but then I told them, hey, I kind of lean more towards Jonah being. I mean, Jonah went and preached to Nineveh, right? So like. Yeah, but so tell me, who, who wrote Jonah? Right, yeah. Somebody wrote about Jonah. Yeah, yeah. It has, has to be, because surely Jonah didn't write that and leave his story so uh Right. Negative. Maybe it was a really penitent, I don't know. penitent I, guy. I don't know. Maybe, no, maybe, it's probably maybe. the case that somebody wrote yeah. about Jonah. I mean, uh, the the same happens for multiple books of scripture, right? Sure. Um, Mo, you know, did Moses write about his own death? Moses wrote the first fo- the first five books of the right. Bible, right. except at the very end of Deuteronomy, clearly someone finished the story. Had to right? Like yeah. like Fro- like Frodo passed the book on to Sam and told him to finish the book. You know, at the end of the Lord of the Rings. Uh, someone did that. Moses did that to Joshua or somebody like that. He said, I'm about to die. Finish the book. For sure. Because Jesus even says, and you might have to take umbrage with this because you don't like when Jesus talks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but Jesus even called them the books of Moses. You know what I mean? Jesus said Moses is written. So yeah. Jesus understands the first five books were written by Moses, but clearly the last couple chapters of Deuteronomy yeah. written by somebody else. Dude, that's... Uh, that's- we, we kind of turned this headache been, this into, has been a, fun. into a fun little ending there. But I did give you the headache trying to argue. Uh, no, it's for, funny. For, for I, th- I think you make a fine argument. I, 
I wonder, I'm just thinking out loud because I don't have the answer right off the top of my head. I have an opinion. I wonder the uh, the implications, you know, inerrancy and sufficiency of script, not even sufficiency, but like inerrancy and all that kind of thing about whether Jesus, if Jesus quotes something that didn't happen, you know, because Jesus is pointing to, he's like, I think Jesus is adding validity to what's going to happen to him when he raises from the dead in something that literally happened. Sure. Like it adds weight to it. To say this literally happened, Jesus or uh, Jonah went into the beast and he came belly of the fish and he came out. I'm going to go into the earth and I'm going to come out. Like these two things are literally going to happen. There, there takes some weight off of that if you're quoting a story. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I wonder the implications of it if it is if it didn't happen or if you take that position that it didn't happen. Sure. Again, I take I take the position more. I, I lean more towards it. It did. It's real. But and we'll we'll end after this. But to to answer that. The Bible is inerrant in what it teaches. And so, could there be a, a Holy Spirit-inspired book of satire mm. that is meant to teach a lesson, and Jesus says, hey, what we know about Jonah from, right. from the writing? And anyway, that doesn't matter. Ooh. Just a fun conversation. I just get nervous around that. Yeah, yeah, for you're, sure. You're a liberal, huh? Yeah. No! <laughs> no, that's an argument that I ran into, and I mean, I think it's a compelling argument, but I don't... Uh, Look at Justin back, back at it with the lib, yeah. the lib takes. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's the thing that nobody ever thought about. That's right, Justin. Has it been good to be? It has been good to be back at it. <laughs>